Rudy, the Arizona Cardinals acquired J.J. Watt, three-time defensive player of the year. Now he is on their edge rush. So with that said, are you now afraid of the Arizona defense? Well, Raymond, that's a two-part question. My initial answer is no. I'm not afraid of the Arizona defense, and for the almost obvious reason. I don't play professional football, so I'll never have to deal with them in any way, shape, or form. But if you're asking if I'm afraid of J.J. Watt, the answer is yes. I feel like if he decided he wanted to tackle me on the open fe- in the open field, on the street, and even if I had like a half a mile head start and I began running, I feel like J.J. Watt would catch me and rip me limb from limb. All I can picture is uh, a dark alley. J.J. Watt is standing on one end in his pads and just a dark silhouette of him and me on the other end of that alley completely cornered. And uh, yeah. fr- from, from that perspective, yes, I'm also afraid of J.J. Watt. <laughs> All right, so why don't you let... Absolutely, these are facts. Why don't you let the people know where they can find us if J.J. Watt never catches us? If J.J. Watt does not catch us, you can follow us on Instagram at The Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere that podcasts are syndicated, we can be found. And if you do follow us on YouTube specifically, make sure to leave a like and a comment because that's how it feeds the algorithm of YouTube and tells YouTube what to do with the video. And plus, we also want to hear your take on how fearful you are of not the Arizona defense with J.J. Watt, but just J.J. Watt personally. (laughs) Just the man, the man himself. (laughs) All right. We have a huge episode for you today. We are going to obviously start with those interesting trade rumors dealing with the 49ers and the Carolina Panthers and one Terry Bridgewater. We're going to talk about that. Then, of course, the bombshell uh, dropping J.J. Watt signs with the Cardinals. And then at the end, we're going to end with some Warriors talk. But first, the greatest Goldcast intro in the game. There's only been two, but this is the greatest in the game. It's about to drop. You're professor, professor of fanalism. I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game. He's here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III, and with me is my brother, my co host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! Oh man, Ray, big show today. Lots to talk about. First up, this one is kind of curious, very little, little, little intriguing, and possible ramifications, possible questions. We're going to explore this. The 49ers inquired about Terry Bridgewater from the Carolina Teddy, Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater, not Terry Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, (laughs) Let me ask you a question. And they said it's because they were looking for possible backups for Jimmy G. So let me ask you, would trading for Bridgewater make sense? I don't know if it makes sense for our team. He's a completely different style quarterback than anyone we have right now. 
And I know he's still, you know, young. He's still in his late 20s. He's 28 years old. But I feel like stylistically, I know that Kyle could probably get the best out of him. Although, well, let me backtrack. Compared to Mullins, who we know is out the door, they are looking to move him out because he... He had a very narrow margin for error to keep his position, and he completely wet the bed last season, and now he's going to be gone. C.J. Beathard is not very far behind him, you know, but the fact that he outplayed him last season did not help him at all. If C.J. Beathard was worse, that would be something, but the fact that he wasn't uh, doesn't bode well for him. So we know Mullins is out. Teddy Bridgewater would definitely be a step up from either of those two people, so he would be competent relative to them. I just don't know if he makes sense for our team and our scheme. But Kyle Shanahan is very adaptable. But how do you adapt from Teddy Bridgewater to a Jimmy G if one of them gets hurt or if Jimmy gets hurt? You know, that's the part that kind of confuses me. The other part I'm concerned with is that that 60 It is. I'll tell you the exact number right now. It is sixty three million dollar contract, 33 million guaranteed. And I think he's on the books for somewhere between 17 and 21 this year. That's an expensive backup quarterback. Really expensive. When that I mean that that price doesn't sound too far off from the price that would be to have Deshaun Watson. But this leads me to my second question Raymond before we move on. The Panthers also openly already have said we're willing to trade three first round picks and CMC for Deshaun Watson, right? Like that was a big splash that they made uh, a week and a half or so or so ago. So with them making that declaration and now the 49ers possibly going after Bridgewater, does this mean that the 49ers are out on a possible Deshaun Watson trade? Or do you think maybe they're just exploring all options? I think it's probably more of the latter versus the former. But, you know, just because there's there's no confirmation that they're the front runner. They're, they're just... They've just been the most boisterous about it. And they're willing to pay up the price, which is a pretty big price, too. They're willing to give up their best offensive player, the best dual threat running back in the NFL, plus three first-round picks. The Niners can give up most of that without, you know, necessarily. I, the, the, our best player to them would obviously be a Nick Bosa or a Fred Warner, one of those two. They just gave up, you know, J.J. Watt, so they obviously need an edge rusher. Nick Bosa would fill that void. It's just a matter of if they're willing to do that and in exchange for a Watson. I mean, we've talked about this already at length. It seems like it'd be worth it. The question is, will, do the Niners think it's worth it? So I don't know. Um, yeah, this is uh, that's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're they're only the front runners. You know, if Houston is taking those calls more seriously than they have alluded to the press according to the press which has reported back to everyone else they're saying no flat out they want to work it out but every time something comes out of them meeting having a meeting of the minds with watson watson says screw you i'm sitting out if you don't unless a trade happens yeah i don't I don't necessarily know if this is an, uh, a waving of the white flag for the 49ers, and this necessarily means that now the 49ers are out on a possible attempt for a Deshaun Watson trade, but it is intriguing, and I do think it does lean a little credence that maybe 
this possibility is losing a little bit of steam in the 49ers front office because now it looks like they're considering trying to pick up the quarterback that may be replaced by Deshaun Watson in Carolina. So this is, you know, this is intriguing. This kind of bears watching. We'll see. Obviously, they are looking to upgrade at the backup quarterback position. We'll see if that leans leans into them possibly upgrading at the starting quarterback position. But again, as we've said many times on the show, that we are still big supporters of Jimmy G, and we believe he's more than capable, when healthy, of taking this team back to the playoffs and possibly another Super Bowl, for sure. All right, Raymond, let's move on. The big news today are, I wouldn't even call them rivals, because <laughs> rivals you have to be threatened by. But uh, the Arizona Cardinals have signed J.J. Watt to a two-year deal. And J.J. Yes. Uh, Watt, that picture in the back of him wearing the the shirt, that's he broke that on, I think it was on Twitter and Instagram first, and he was like, source me, source call, <laughs> colon me. I was like, that's the most J.J. Watt thing ever. Um, there, This is a very interesting pickup, and I want to ask you, do you think, because this did not move, the, this basically... Uh, the Arizona it did not move the needle at all for the Arizona Cardinals to uh, they are still like a, I think it's like 40 to one to win the Super Bowl didn't move that at all Vegas did not care it did up their odds to win the NFC West but very little they still have the the worst odds to win the NFC West so let me ask you does the signing of JJ Watt does that make them a contender in the NFC West does this signing make this defense more legitimate? I would say absolutely not, because even though I thought it'd be kind of cool if J.J. Watt came to us in exchange for a D. Ford, because it, it'd be more of a lateral move. You'd, you'd exchange one, you know, player who's in the twilight of his career, but is, is less durable than he used to be, but highly effective when he's able to be on the field sel- as seldom as that is now. Uh, although D. Ford is, is younger than J.J. Watt and just happens to be speed. In, plagued with injury and uh, serious injuries too. It's like his back and stuff like that stuff that, that legitimately keeps him off the field. But anyways, I digress off of D Ford. I love his personality. Can't stand his durability. Uh, as, as it goes for Arizona, um, you know, you're going to, you're not even going to get half a season out of JJ Watt. So that's, that's why they're, that's why the needle didn't move for Vegas. That's why I'm not intimidated by them. They, they need, a little bit more than just one pass rusher who's at the end of at the ropes here. And J.J. Watt really doesn't fill that void very well for them just because you're going to get a player that needs extra rest now because of his durability issues. You're going to need a player who, you know, he's going to get double teamed like crazy. Well, I'm sure he's not, I'm sure he, I'm, he's not unfamiliar with that. But at the same time, I just don't think that he adds, you know, the the depth and the prowess that you need in order to really be considered a legitimate, you know, scary pass rushing defense. You've just got one player who's not a shell of himself, but he's certainly not, you know, he's not even he's not even like 70 percent of that former self. It's more like 60 leaning on 50 percent, which is. Better than a lot of average players in the NFL, but for Arizona's needs and especially the opponents they're going up against in their division, not good. If you're Russell Wilson, you know, you're not happy about that considering all of the 
running around he has to do for sacking. But as it applies to the Niners, I really don't think they have much to be concerned about here. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about J.J. Watt's overall production. I'm going to give you some numbers, okay? Um, from 2011 to 2020, okay? He started in his, from 2011 to 2015, uh, 16 games started, all of them. Uh, his sack totals, 2011, 5. Uh, 2012, this is when it gets pretty crazy, 20.5. Then in 2013, 10.5. 2014, 20.5. 2015, 17.5. 2016, and this is when the injuries start to happen. He plays three games, only one and a half sacks. Okay. Uh, 2017, he starts five games, zero sacks. Then uh, bounce back in 2018, 16 games, 16 sacks, averaging one sack a game. That's, you know, classic J.J. Watt. Then we come down to 2018, 2018 or 2019. I'm sorry. That was in 2017. He was injured. 2018, we have the 16 sacks. 2019, he starts eight games, four sacks. 2020, 16 games, five sacks. The same so production. Even when he was healthy, he was just as productive, played double the amount of time he did in 2019, and was still, again, less than 50% effective. Yeah, so I mean, you're looking at the last time he had played 16 full games and had only five sacks was his rookie season. So, and that was in his la the season he just played. So his, again, in five years from 2016 to 2020, he has only played 16 games twice, once in 2018 and once in 2020. But and in 2018, highly productive, 16 sacks, 16 games. But then we have five sacks, five games. And, you know, if you go from he's only played two full seasons in five years. Yeah. So how many games are you really getting out of J.J. Watt? That's the big question. You know, I think I'd... you get about half a season. That's that's my prediction. I think you're going to get half a season out of him. And that's because this is someone who's missed 32 games in those five years. That's a lot. That's a lot. So and, and only, you know, twice. And, and again, he played he started he played 16 games. He started 16 games. But again, this is a guy who. The, the tackles were there. The TFLs were double digits. You know, the quarterback hits were the lowest of his career um, last season. So he's just really, you know, I don't know how much of a resurgence he's going to get just by changing locations and uniforms. I don't know. There, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a psychological bump he's going to get out of that. But Vegas sees the same numbers that we do. And it's not promising. It isn't, and I don't think this. You're you are in such a stacked NFC, and as long as uh, Cliff Kingsbury is your coach, I think the ceiling is uh, pretty visible from that from that position. All right, Ray, let's go on. They did it. The Warriors did it, my friend. They won finally three in a row, and then promptly lost the fourth game <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. We could uh, get onto the gold cast, but let's go through their their wins because this is deserving of some recognition. Our Warriors, so uh, there are three wins, three in a row. Warriors, Knicks, they won one fourteen to one hundred six. Warriors, Pacers, one eleven to one hundred seven, and then Hornets, Warriors, one twenty one one thirty. Then they went to L.A. and got their asses handed to them, one seventeen to ninety one. Draymond Green. Didn't play. 
So that obviously that obviously led, you know, the injury that he had obviously major effect losing that defensive prowess. Um, first of all, let's celebrate the fact that the Warriors got to three wins. Excellent way to go, Warriors. We get to our three wins. We we won three wins. You know, this is a putting together wins like this is important. And I still think, uh, despite the the thumping they got uh, against LA, I still think this is a a, play, a playoff contender, a team going to the playoffs. What do you think? I think so. I mean, the the teams they beat were teams that are similar to us in their division. You know, these are all East Coast teams. Uh, the the Hornets are sixteen and seventeen. The Pacers are fifty. I mean, albeit they're just a, they're they're a, sh- uh, a, sh- a couple shades. They're they're a couple shades below the Warriors' talent, in my opinion. Probably, I'd say a little bit more in terms of the Hornets and the Pacers. So, in other words, bad. The Warriors should beat these subpar teams. The Hornets and the Pacers are subpar. They're they're kind of flirting with 500, but they can't even get there. The Warriors are calling are always just above 500, but are are you know stri- still trying to break the gap and widen the gap. The Knicks are 18 and 17. They're I I put them in the same category as us, just maybe a smidge below in terms of talent, because you know the Knicks don't necessarily have a superstar like a Steph Curry, or we do. And so uh, those those are good quality wins. You know, there's a couple there that are saying should happen. And then there's a quality win against the Knicks team that had beat us earlier this season. So it was nice to get that win back. And then the Lakers, the Lakers are just the Lakers. I, I think they're, uh, you know, I think that the uh, considering the last time they these two played and the loss that they suffered as a result, I think the Lakers were definitely looking for some payback to kind of say remind them like, hey, we're top of this division. You know, you've got to come through us in order to get to the promised land, which is true. That is a fact. But uh, uh, the Warriors are still getting progressively better. Whether they'll be able to take a team like the Lakers in a seven-game series, I highly doubt it. But they've got enough to get there. They have enough to get there, and I think that's all we can really ask from this current version of the Warriors. Next year is the reload, and we, we you know hopefully we make one or two big moves and we go for the throat. Um, Raymond, the last story to come out of this game, though, was what Steph said after the game. And this is really interesting because the responses to this seem to back this up. So here's what he said. He said, Steph said after the game, we have to remember that even when we're playing well, teams want to beat us and beat us bad. They still have a lot of memories from the last five to six years. And then the next day, you know, like Matt Barnes, uh, I believe he was on the jump on ESPN, was like, yeah, that's true. Like, you know, these guys... These guys beat a lot of teams bad, you know, and they were, you know, they were, you know, I don't know how to say it. I mean, I'm paraphrasing him, but like, you know, he he felt that sometimes they were a little showboaty in their wins and uh, there was really nothing anyone could do about it because they were just that good. So any chance to kick the Warriors while they're down, teams are going to take. Do you think that's true? I think so. The Warriors dominated the league for the past five, six seasons. I'd say five you know the, the the Kevin Durant seasons as well as the uh, the group before that, even in the finals losses, this was still a team that was blowing out just about every opponent almost every night. Um, it was fantastic basketball for us Warriors fans, and even though this season is pretty fun, um, they're a bit every game is a bit more scrappy and competitive. You know, although the Warriors have had. Plenty of blowouts this season as well for lesser opponents. It's just uh, everything's everything's just a little bit tighter with the content the, the opponents that are going to be in the tournament later. Those are the games that seem to be a bit tighter now. Whereas in the past, the the Warriors were blowing out all of those opponents as well. Not so much now. But again, we're just down some talent right now. If we have that talent, 
you know, they're, they're missing. And, you know, I know Stephen A says that if Clay Thompson was in the lineup, we would absolutely be making the finals this season. I think that's a very, very high probability knowing what Clay brings to the table uh, in terms of defense and offense. So uh, this, the record certainly isn't 19 and 16 with Clay in the lineup. It's very much closer to, you know, Utah Jazz or L.A. Lakers territory, where I say we're right in between those two teams, something along those lines. And so I think uh, Matt Barnes is correct. And, yeah, you, people don't forget that. Regardless of who, what player plays for what team now, people still remember getting their ass handed to him for five years straight. I mean, even Kevin Durant, when he's, when, when he's with the Brooklyn Nets and he comes to town, he, he wants to kick the Warriors' ass too. And he was on those teams. You know, so I agree. I do feel like teams do get up, you know, having watched a lot of this season, you know, obviously haven't been able to watch every single game, but having watched many of the games, teams get up for the Warriors. They do. You know, you'll see them play a lackluster game the night before, but then the Warriors come into town and they bring their A game. It's not quite to the same level of every night's a playoff game like it was for the five-year dynasty run. But it's only a couple notches down. People bring their air game, and you're right. It doesn't matter who, as long as Steph's in the, in that jersey and Steph's leading that team, and he's and he has led this team for that entire run. They're going to come at them. the The day they stop caring is the day Steph stops wearing that jersey, and that's a fact. In fact, I think even Matt Barnes said that same thing. You know, that is definitely a fact. But all right, folks, that is it for today. Here is the question. Should the 49ers go for Bridgewater? Is this a good move to have him as our backup? Let us know in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the gold cast and let us know. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe because we want to hear from you. All right. And so concludes another edition of the gold cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa Third, And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.